This is Ron Thurston, and welcome to a very special episode of the Retail in America podcast, my live interview with Sarah Jessica Parker. As one of the title sponsors of my tour, KWI, the industry's only true turnkey omni-channel platform for specialty retailers, has allowed me to engage with their fantastic customers. And one of them is SJP Collection, Sarah Jessica Parker's namesake footwear, handbag, and accessories brand. This conversation is entirely due to KWI's strong relationship with their customers, and I'm very grateful for our partnership and this opportunity. I would say that Sarah Jessica Parker needs no introduction, but let me share just a few highlights. She is most known for her role as Carrie Bradshaw on the HBO television series Sex and the City, for which she won two Emmy Awards, four Golden Globe Awards for Best Actress in a Comedy Series, and three Screen Actors Guild Awards. The character was widely popular during the airing of the series and was later recognized as one of the most notable female characters in American television. She later reprised the role in the films Sex and the City, Sex and the City 2, as well as the most recent television show, and just like that. Sarah Jessica and her husband, Matthew Broderick, are currently starring on Broadway in Neil Simon's Plaza Suite Revival. And regarding this conversation about retail and the power of human connection, in February 2014, she started the SJP Collection, a footwear line initially launched exclusively at Nordstrom that has grown into a global business sold in every major department store and a small fleet of her own brick-and-mortar locations around the world. This conversation was recorded in front of a small live audience at her 54th Street location in New York City, one that is very special to her, as you will hear. And with that, let's get started. Hi, Sarah Jessica. Hi, Ron. Nice to see you. Such a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for inviting me into your home here <laughs> You're very and celebrating welcome. retail. So I am about to embark on a year-long journey across America called Retail in America. I can't, I can't, I think that will be incredibly interesting and exciting. Thank you. Just really hearing the front lines of what people are doing, how they're responding the last couple of years, of course, yeah. but what is the voice of the field? Mm. And one of the first questions that I love to ask yes. is, you know, what's unique about your local city? <laughs> what, what's unique about retail in their local city? Mm. But I wanted to ask you, What's unique about New York City Oh my to goodness. You? Um, I mean, I think my guess is what you'll discover and what I think is so exciting about retail that is specific to cities is that we are all unique. You know, every city, I don't know if you're going to Cincinnati or if you're going to Chicago or St. Louis or who it. knows, but who knows? everybody is going to have a really, I think, really special story. I will look forward in all sincerity to hearing those stories because a lot of the stories of retail have been, you know, important to us. They've been inspiring to us. And it doesn't matter where they are in the world. If they're in a small town or a larger city or a European capital city, when it comes to this kind of retail that's very specific to sort of what one might call a mom and pop, for instance, rather than a larger company, right. I think we're all unique. And, you know, New Yorkers like to think that our city is, is uniquely unique. But I think it is very familiarly unique, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Meaning that, you know, we have a culture and businesses that are specific to the people who chose to live here or who choose to live here. 
Um, we have sights and smells and sounds that are ours. Mm. But I think what I love about traveling is discovering the very same thing wherever I go, meaning what is special mm -hmm. in a town. And it's hard to describe it because it's, it kind of exists everywhere. I think we just haven't spent enough time realizing mm -hmm. how unique so right. much of this country is and right. so many businesses are and how intrepid you know, people have been and how smart and how strategic and patient and, and brave. But New York is special because it tends to be where people come to take the biggest chance to hope to you know, swing a home run it's a city that lets you know very quickly where you stand. But that kind of obstacle, I think, is also the thing that makes you fight more. Because for those of us who believe in this city, when we're told no, we want to prove our city wrong. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, I think the diversity of this city, you know, which has been sort of its calling card for so long, yeah. I think is, you know, what I rely upon. I think what makes us special, what I think is what is inspiring and, and, and promotes creativity and all the different cultures that are telling stories and sharing, mm -hmm. you know, life and rituals and practice and religion and food and artistry. It's what we need in the city. We, we lose a lot of it because of, you know, rents and right. people not getting paid fair wages and things like that. But we hope we can still offer a home to all, all of those people. Right. I took that big swing eight years ago and moved here for a job yeah. and at the age of 50 and said, I'm gonna have my big moment yeah. in New York. And I'm from LA. Yeah. And I, I was that kind of retail leader who said, I can do it from LA. Yeah. I didn't have big dreams to be here. And it was the right time, the right place. And it changed my life. This Good. city changed my life oh, in God. the most positive way. It inspired oh, this book. Oh, I met my husband three months after I moved here. Wow. And like. Part of it is, you know, at the age of 50, I said, now's my shot. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting yeah. off-topic story. No, but, but it's, I think, I think it's what a lot of people do. And people come here and they arrive here at all different ages. And some, you know, some arrive with families, some arrive on their mm -hmm. own. And, you know, I think it's a very, um, it still holds, despite our shortcomings and the limitations that I've, you know, talked about just a second ago, I think it still is... The city of promise and potential, I mean, it still has that character attached to it and that idea. And I'd like to think that we can still fulfill it. You know, I think we need to do better by people and make sure it is a place that still is hospitable to everybody and everybody's mm -hmm. dream. But I run into people all the time that come to this city specifically to fulfill something that they've been long planning. Mm -hmm. And what a dream to work in retail yeah. in New York City. Too. Yeah. Having led retail teams, you know, in New York and around the world, yeah. and this is certainly one of those dreams. So when you think about retail, why was it so important for you to have a brick and mortar presence as you build your brand? Well, it didn't occur to us to do anything else. I mean, we, despite kind of being birthed in the age of e-com, our first instinct and really what we kind of put all our resources into was brick and mortar. We didn't start our e-com business until I think three years ago, right? Yeah, three years ago. Mm -hmm. I think because my partner, George Malcolmus, mm -hmm. was so defined by his relationship to retail. And because I think when I arrived in New York City, 
I arrived January 1st of 1977 and spent a lot of time on the Crosstown bus going back and forth between school. I was a very young girl and the tram um, that sure. me, took me to Roosevelt Island. But on that Crosstown bus was every important basically yeah. an important shoe designer. If they weren't on 59th or 57th, they were on Madison, you know. And I just remember those stores. And I remember as a small child what it meant to walk into a store. It was a really big deal to go shopping. And so I think that in my head and in Georgia's head, retail was everything. Brick and mortar was everything. And we still feel that way, yeah. you know. The relationship with the customer, the engagement, you know, what you learn from talking to somebody, from hearing what their life is, what they need versus what they want, what they want versus what they need, yeah. what they have, what doesn't exist, how we can do better, you know, how is our fit, how do we stand up among all the other choices? No one needs another pair of shoes, really, right? right? So why are we necessary? And you learn that far better by being on the floor, by having communication, by sharing stories, by just seen feet, frankly, really seen feet. Mm -hmm. And it's been, for sure, the most joyous part of the work. It's mm. been the thing that I love best. And the hardest part is when I'm not there. Right. You know, I haven't really been able to be at the store for the last year, really, which is, like, kind of stunning to me. Yeah. It's not been quite a year, but almost. It'll be a year in June that I've not been mm. in the store or in one of our stores all the time. But, you know, retail is really hard. It's terrifying, especially... The last couple of years, it's been hugely challenging, but it's impossible for us to walk away from it. And we know, like, e-com now is a bigger piece of the pie for us, basically speaking, but we would never yeah. not have a store in New York. Right. Never. Right. You know, despite any financial uh, <laughs> counsel <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> and the team gives you all that same feedback. Yeah. Well, certainly the customer does. But listening to the store team, which is yeah. part of, kind of what retail in America is, yeah. but let's listen to the people that the do house. the work, it's yeah. front of house. Yeah. What what do you need? How can I help you? Yeah. Which I know you're in stores. I heard you're at sample sales. You know, oh, yeah. Did. I know. Oh, God, yes. So to be able to just listen to people and hear their feedback, yeah. where does that, what's the root passion around that? Um, as an actor, you don't have opportunities to talk to your audience, talk to the people who are spending time with you on screen, small or large, or even in the theater. So it's just very unusual that you have the opportunity to be in a room with your customer. It's just a very different way of running a business. You know, as an actor, the business is you don't spend time afterwards talking to them. Mm -hmm. and, right. and maybe that's good too, I'm not sure. But I think why it's important and why we love it is that it's the part that's alive. It's the oxygen, you know, and I think we all really love it. I think people that aren't typically meant to be on the floor, you've met my colleague Alyssa, we all do it. And And, and I think there's this other crazy fantasy and maybe, and well, for sure, it's not everybody's fantasy, but there is this thing about having a shop of your own. And I didn't know that it was something, but I think having the keys to the shop and being able to like open the door and be at the till and yeah. welcome somebody in and be on the ground and throwing a bunch of like ideas in <laughs> front of them and fitting them and running back up to the stock room. Like it's a very old fashioned way of engaging with people. And I don't know, it's it's like immediate 
satisfaction, even if you don't make a sale. Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's something so... I think it's human engagement. Yeah. You hear that bell of someone coming in, yeah. or you're having a conversation on the floor, and you're, it's, it's connection. Yeah. And we crave that. Yeah. In the last couple of years, yes. we didn't have that opportunity. Yeah. And I often have said, you know, retail is the forum that's reconnecting the world. Definitely. Because it's not, it's not hotels. It may not be restaurants. Retail doesn't require a purchase. Right. It just requires a conversation. Yeah. And that is a really beautiful way to think about this business, about brick and mortar all over the world in this yeah. country. We're reconnecting the world. And I feel like you, yeah. it sounds like you feel similarly. We, we do. And the minute that we were back open, first of all, we all were just like, oh my God, we're with each other again, first of all. Right which was so nice because we'd all been separated and we had spent up to that time, like a lot of time together. Just planning. Just planning, right. just being in the office like I am and just, you know, doing market and designing collections and all the stuff that you do to run sure. a business. But being with the customers again and the people who were willing, because in the beginning, as you recall, a lot of people still did not feel safe. And yep. I we totally understood it. So we started really thinking all the time, every day, okay, how do we reach them? How do we take care of them? How do we provide even more service? You know, if that means we're delivering shoes to doors, that's what we did. You're going uptown, I'm going downtown, you live in Brooklyn, you take those shoes. Like, that's what we were doing. And we were on the phone, but it was just so nice to be back yeah. with a customer yeah. and back in the store and you know, just kind of the routine of it. And people were stopping. People were definitely stopping by just to say hello. They, they People were lonely. People mm -hmm. were very wanting to talk, to stop by. And you're right, retail really does, especially when it's um, more of a local store. You really start to feel that with your customers. We were so happy. We were. It was, it was a very happy time. <laughs> and is now, you think about the opportunities to open brick-and-mortar retail have actually never been greater. Yeah. The idea of kind of balance of business and new ideas and direct-to-consumer that may actually need a brick-and-mortar business. It's yeah. a really exciting time. And we sort of think that, well, maybe this is the new way that retail will be. You know, a lot of these big, huge companies that have, I don't even know how many stores scattered across the United States that were closing like all of us were, mm -hmm. but not reopening. You were like, well, maybe maybe retail should get intimate again. You know, maybe that's what it should be. Maybe it's more meaningful to the customer to know that we know them, they know us. This is where we are. And sure, we'd like to be able to reach people in Detroit, you know, and have a store in other places. But for the time being, this is where we are. And maybe this intimacy is really kind of where retail should be anyway. Maybe a real mm. connection with a consumer, with a shopper, with an informed person is better. And maybe this isn't going to be so unusual anymore where right. there's, you know, the designer and the owner is in the store. Yeah. And maybe that also holds you more accountable. Mm -hmm. You sometimes have to hear things you don't want to hear. And um, so I think maybe that's also where we're headed. I love it. We actually have several small business owners here in the store today. We had invited them just oh, yeah. to be part of the listening audience. So it's great to hear that story of kind of starting your own business. How do you fuel it? And is there a particular moment for you during the last eight years of being this entrepreneur of running a shop that stand out to you? Anything particular, oh, like gosh. emotional? I'm sure there are many. 
I think what really stands out now is just that first week when we were allowed to be back in the shop and just figuring out how we were going to operate, how we would save this business, keep our employees employed, mm-hmm. pay for their health insurance, like mm-hmm. how we were going to do that and how we were going to also keep these doors open here and find our customers. But even though it was daunting, we all felt so privileged to be back. We felt really lucky that we were that these were our jobs and that those were our customers and people you know people kept buying our shoes during we were really convinced because people had nowhere to go what what do they need with you know so we thought well we would be the first thing that people would sure. eject from sure. you know the way they're spending their money their hard-earned dollars and and they didn't so we felt even more so responsible to show gratitude, but be be there. Um, so I think that's the memory that's most striking right now is just finally being here, having the opportunity to, to open the store. Uh, but I think part, part of the joy of human connection is using tools to help us be better at it. Yeah. And so whether it's technology, so here you use a POS system with KWI, yeah. there are you know, music that you use that's technology-based, client-telling yeah. solutions. It's how you often follow up with the text after a sale. Right. You're using technology. So yeah. is there anything in particular that you do day in, day out technology? wise that enhances your human relationships? Um, I will say probably not as much as other people do. In terms of the business, obviously we have social media channels and in particular Instagram is really our, where we focus most of our attentions. And we have a wonderful young woman who has risen up to direct that. My colleague and I started it ourselves and we've turned it over to her. And that's really our megaphone for communicating everything that we want to talk about. And then in my own life, I don't tend to be as reliant upon technology for my human engagements. (laughs) But, you know, I have a phone and I text and I email a lot. So I guess that probably is that. But I still have a hard line and I still prefer to make a call like with a proper telephone. And I just still like that. I, you know. Can I speak for a moment about Retail Pride? Sure. So I, part of what I write in there, a couple different things, are the pillars of retail success that I write around empathy, curiosity, and focus. Mm-hmm. And I've said, no matter your role in retail, from founder to part-time sales, stock, if you lead with empathy and you're highly curious and you're focused to get whatever it is you need to accomplish done, that you can win in this business. Is there one of those that stands out to you as being a pillar? Well, I think curiosity and empathy are not unrelated to each other because by being curious, you cultivate empathy. I think, you know, it's something that I talk about with my children because I think it's the way that you learn more, see more, smell more, hear more. Mm-hmm. So to me, curiosity and empathy are really reliant upon each other and they should kind of be hand in glove. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I love about the store, which kind of sits right in the saddle of curiosity and empathy, although they're maybe not quite as clearly defined as that. But, you know, people walk in the store from all over the world, all over the world. And their lives are radically different than mine. They're radically different than the person that they're sitting next to or six feet from. (laughs) And we always talk with all of them. And 
we want to, you know, where are right. you from? What are you doing? Oh my gosh, why are you in the city? And why are your parents with you? And well, right. a million questions and things are asked and hopefully answered if they feel comfortable doing so. And what I love is that I know that it is very possible, perhaps even highly likely, that there are huge differences that if they were kind of pulled, we would be like this. Mm. Because the world is a very divided place right now and there is huge reasons for divisive behavior and it's really hard on everybody. But what I love is that we sort of bypass all of that and we have this thing, we have this conversation that's not, it's not brief, it's not as long as I would sometimes like it to be, but I know that if I were in a different arena, we might be like this. Mm. Something neutralizes. That's what I love about retail. That's what I love about mm. is that I'm able to find this space where we're putting everything else yeah. away and we're just enjoying each other's company and not making decisions or judgments or projecting onto each other, well, you're here and so you must be this. Mm -hmm. And you're from there and you do that and that's how you live, so therefore you're probably that. Right. We know it, right. but it's not the thing that everybody else is wanting to focus on. Absolutely understand, because you can use the product or the store as the basis for a conversation. Too. Yeah, and you can it, not it even talk about the product, right. but they're here because of the product. Right. And then you're just talking. And right. it's really amazing. We all have that experience. We've all had it. And I'm sure people have continued to have those experiences here. So it's another kind of pillar of why retail is so important to, yeah. to what we're doing. Yeah, I, it's, it I is think that, so. I, love, I hadn't thought about the neutralizer idea, but you're right. It is, it's a safe space. Yeah, it should be. We hope people feel that way. Yeah, and I, focus is not to be you know, dismissed. I mean, focus is kind of everything. That's the beginning, is just focusing to just get something up and going. But, and it takes focus all the time, not just for me, but from everybody who's decided to devote their time to this business. But it's the curiosity, I think, and the empathy that really is the big Great. part that, like, that's the, probably the most important part of it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So we can't sit in the store today and not talk about shoes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> do you have any particular memories of why shoes are so important to you? I do have memories of shoe stores, but I don't think I thought that shoes were important to me necessarily. I do remember as a child, we always went to, um, when I lived in Cincinnati, there was a retailer of Buster Brown shoes mm. um, outside the city. I think it was in a place called Kenwood. And there was a probably a long-held family business who was a retail supplier of Buster Brown shoes, which were the only shoes my mother let us wear. <laughs> and we would go at the top of the school year, we would get a pair of saddle oxfords, and we would get a pair of patent leather, you know, Mary Janes. And then in the spring, we would get a different pair that might might have been stride right. I'm not entirely sure, but it could have been okay. Buster Brown. But it was the T-strap with the perforated, yep. you know, oh, yeah. all white. And that was our spring shoe. So we would walk into this store in August. I always tell the story the same way because this is what I remember. It was, first of all, it was air conditioned, which was such a big deal because mm. we didn't have air conditioning in our house. 
at all, not even in unit, you know, in window units. Mm. And um, it just smelled like leather, like cold, clean leather. And I'm one of, at the time I was one of six kids, eventually I was one of eight kids. So we would walk in the store and then we'd be wandering around while this sibling went, then this sibling went, then this sibling went, then this sibling went. And while those, they were being fitted properly, you know, I would just be walking around smelling shoes, like literally lifting up. But I, but I love the smell of them, but I also love the stitching on the bottom because if you remember for those shoes, it was a very wide kind of block mm-hmm. heel yeah. and you could see the stitching in the leather underneath the bottom of yeah. these shoes, and they were beautiful. They weren't the shoes that I even wanted, really, because, of course, I wanted what everybody else was wearing, which was not a saddle. Mm. But I love them, and I love being there, and it was air-conditioned, and they were so nice, and they knew our family. You know, like, we came twice a year. It was, like, a big deal. I mm. also wore hand-me-downs. But then we were responsible for polishing our shoes every Sunday. Every Sunday we got the newspaper out. We got the kiwi out. We were taught how to polish, buff, shine, and we did it every Sunday night. Um, wow. Then when I came to New York and I would look in the window of some amazing, most of them were, not all of them, some of them, but I would say maybe 60% European shoe designers and the yeah. rest were American shoe designers. And I just loved it, but I didn't think it was like a thing. I thought I was someone that just admired something pretty that I would probably never be able to afford. Wow. And the fashion side of it kind of grew over time. Probably, I mean, I, you know, bought and loved shoes before I played Carrie Bradshaw, who has a very different relationship with shoes than mm-hmm. I have. But it wasn't as fevered. Like, I would buy shoes when I could afford them. I would buy shoes sometimes that would last forever, but sometimes they were of a moment. But I think just wearing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pairs of shoes you learn a lot. If you're interested, if you're curious, yeah. you learn a lot about shoes. I was wearing shoes that were vintage shoes from the turn of the century or the 1940s or the 60s or stuff that was just literally on the runway yesterday in Paris and was overnighted, mm. is on my feet mm. th- today, Beautiful. you know? So you learn a lot. And that was obviously the fashion, but also the artistry, the tools. You, you, you just learn a lot. And yeah. so I think then when I was asked about working in the shoe business, it was like, well, yeah, I guess I do. It's not that I felt like I was deserving or ready, but I certainly realized I was like, well, I do. I have spent a lot of time worn a lot of shoes. Yeah. So I should know something. (laughs) And you clearly do. Well, I've learned a lot. And then I learned so much from George. I mean, because I had never built a collection. I'd never dealt with factories. I didn't know everything about a last or what it takes or how much it costs or any of the sort of the minutia of the business of shoes, I didn't, I didn't know. But I had the best person in the world teach me. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the stories of him and you speaking about him yeah. were really touching. No. So I was very sorry to hear yeah. about that. It's, it's your a big special loss. relationship. No, thank, thank you. you. But I wanted to kind of tie a bow on this in the spirit of some of your beautiful shoes. So you think about <laughs> uh, you know, one of, in Retail Pride, I have the top 10 reasons why we love working in retail. (laughs) But the number one is that we create joy. Oh, And I really, I truly believe that. We do. The retail industry creates joy. And wanted to just ask, what brings you joy today? A lot. You know, I get to do what I love to do. Um, That's really joyful. Right now I'm working in the theater on a project that has been thought of and we've been talking about it for a while now. And it's with my husband, which is Mm -hmm. unique. Um, 
and very special and we get to play to packed houses. That's joyful, hugely joyful mm. in a Neil, a Neil Simon play. You know, that would be enough on its own. But, you know, I have three healthy children who are fun and interesting and I really like them. And <laughs> also, I guess the people that I get to be around, you know, that I get to work with and, and learn from and um, some, you know, that I work really closely with. And that brings me joy that we've been able to maintain a long relationship and grow with each other and hold on at the hardest times and have some successes together and also ride the stuff that's been the most challenging and mm -hmm. ride it out together. I think that yeah. brings me joy even at the toughest times. Yeah, and because they're so memorable. That those yeah. kind of tough times may bring other other relationships, other human connection. Yeah. That brings joy. Kind of that. Remember when that happened? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That idea yeah. Definitely. Can spark joy. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for speaking so glowingly about <laughs> the industry that I'm so proud to work in, <laughs> and that so millions of people around the world are so proud to work in. Oh yeah. It's, it's no, real. It's such a pleasure. It's my it's my great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for following Retail in America. Pleasure. Like, Good luck. Right, Have a wonderful you. time. Thank you. Where are you uh, traveling to? Have you is the is it all set already? The so tour? it's about a twenty city tour. So starting actually right away in Asheville. Oh wow. Nashville, Dallas, Austin, and keep going west. Great. And I'm following the story. Oh, that's Wherever so great. there are great people, oh, that's I am great. here to speak to you. The idea of sharing those stories of people who are really proud again to work in retail yeah. so that other people in retail can hear that is not being done. And the idea of celebrating frontline retail yeah. in every aspect, not just fashion. No, but no, home no. Retail's and, everything. And, just, yeah. uh, and so wherever those great people are, I'm going to find them, good. celebrate them, oh, good. make their voices heard, and, and change the industry. Oh, so, good. Thank well, you. best of luck and have a great time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to meet you. Likewise. Thank you, KWI, and the entire team there for making this happen. I would like to take the opportunity to mention the other two title sponsors for the tour. Spotify Advertising. Spotify is the exclusive channel for this episode and has grown to over 420 million monthly unique registered users around the globe, over half of which are supported on the ad platform. Spotify Advertising will help you reach and target your audience across devices, locations, and formats. And Ubik. Over 300 companies in 80 countries trust Ubik to drive their retail performance at scale, get real-time visibility into multi-location business execution, digitized task management, and consistent digital mobile learning for their teams. Go to retailpride.com or follow me on Instagram at retailpride to see all the details about the Retail in America tour. Keep your retail pride strong, and I will see you on the road.